I watched Rome is Burning every afternoon of my life. When I was 15 years old, you came on. I would watch that and PTI every day. Every day. And I'd watch reality sometimes if I got home early enough to watch that. But I always watch it. So I've always uh, I've really enjoyed looking up to you. And this is an honor to be on your platform and to, and to talk some ball. Hey now, what's up? What's cracking? Welcome to another episode of the Jim Rome Podcast, where we are all the way up to episode 278, and we are getting ramped up for another college football season with a former national champion quarterback, because my guest this week is former Alabama QB, Greg McElroy. Of course, you all remember Greg, but just to jog everybody's memory, this dude led the Crimson Tide to an undefeated 14-0 season back in 09, which means he was there at the beginning with Nick Saban laying the groundwork for a dynasty there in Tuscaloosa. Now, he serves as a college football analyst for ESPN ABC. He is host of the Always College Football podcast, My Man Eats breathes and lives college football so let's get right to picking his brain it is episode 278 with greg mcelroy and spoiler alert this is an absolutely awesome app and it's coming at you right now so greg tell me i'm wrong i'm guessing this is the very best time of year for you and i know you are a very Busy, busy dude. So, so thanks a million for making time for this. How you feeling, man? How are things? I'm I'm fired up, Jim. You know, I mean, you can't really fake enthusiasm. <laughs> you know, like I mean, you can try, uh, but this is the best time of year for college football. To everyone's undefeated. Hope springs eternal. Everyone thinks they got a shot, especially after what TCU did last year. Everybody thinks they have a shot now. So it's it's a special time to be a part of the sport and kick things off. No, I think you're exactly right. Now, you can fake enthusiasm, but people will sniff it out <laughs> and it won't work. Let me ask you this. You're going to be on the call for North Carolina, South Carolina. That's Saturday. And I spoke to Shane Beamer this week. And as you might imagine, he was all hyped. He was fired up. It's a great, great way to start the season. I love that matchup. You got Drake May. You got Spencer Rattler. 20th ranked North Carolina. Beamer told me, Greg, that he thinks his team is being overlooked some. What do you think about that matchup? And what do you think it comes down to? Well, I love the matchup. I think it's the best quarterback matchup of the weekend. If you want to look at LSU, Florida State, you can make a case in that one. But if you look at both Spencer Rattler, who prior to last year was, according to just about everybody, a future first-round pick, and then Drake May, who burst on the scene last year, and people are saying right now, at worst, he'll go two overall. So quarterback matchup, if you're into the prospects, that's definitely one to take into account. I think the big thing with both is that both teams don't have a ton of depth, Jim. But here in week one, your depth isn't necessarily going to be challenged. I mean, you have some youth that you got to thrust into the lineup a little bit, maybe not in a week one game that that has this much weight. So I love the matchup because I think if you look at the starting 22 of both teams, they're as good as just about anybody. It's just when you start to compare them against the likes of Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, et cetera, that's where the difference is is really going to be felt. And it's going to be a war of attrition for both these squads as they move forward throughout the season. So I think both teams have pretty disruptive defensive lines. I think both teams have pretty dang good wide receiver course. South Carolina may be a slight advantage there given the departures of North Carolina. But I think if you look at what North Carolina has kind of built around Drake May, 
I think Drake may at this point is, is a guy that can elevate his play to a level that only Caleb Williams can match. So uh, I think they match up really well and, and it's going to come down like most week ones. It'll come down to who makes the biggest mistake and, and who makes the biggest play. All right. So I can reference anything you just mentioned, some of the monsters, some of the individuals, but I want to go to the thing that you mentioned first, you mentioned Florida state LSU to me, Greg, it's one of the more intriguing week one matchups given the off season that they had and given where they are as a program right now, how, how critical is this particular game to Florida State and head coach Mike Norvell? It's massive uh, because Mike Norvell, this is the year and this is the one that's been circled. And they've said, hey, you know, this is now, now we've had a quarterback who's entering into his sixth year, his fourth year, or his fifth year at Florida State, his fourth year as a starter. I mean, this guy's played a ton of football in Jordan Travis. So it's time for him to now take the next step to where he can carry the program. They have elite wide receiver personnel. They have elite running back in Trey Benson, who nobody knows about yet, but he is the real deal. Um, then defensively, you can make a case you have the best edge rusher in the country in Jared Verse. Would have been a top 10 pick this past year. Wanted to come back, which is pretty remarkable. Don't see that as often nowadays but not to be outdone Patrick Payton on the other side could get after you so you got two super dynamic edge presences on defense you got veteran leadership at linebacker you just bring in a lockdown corner from Virginia and Fentrell Cypress this is the year there's no excuse Brian Kelly conversely on the other side is still in the honeymoon phase a little bit he overachieved in week in year one no one anticipated them getting to Atlanta for the SEC championship game. No one anticipated them beating Bama last year. So he's already playing with house money. But for Mike Norvell, a loss in this game would indicate that LSU in just two years has maybe surpassed Florida State over four. Is that fair? Probably not. But that will be the overreaction that's had on Monday if the result goes in favor of the Tigers. All right, so then having said that, and mentioning Florida State, kind of, sort of, I'll make this connection. I would ordinarily not jump this up necessarily so high in the interview, but because I was in Boulder last week, dropping our younger son off to college where he's starting as a freshman, I've got to ask about Deion Sanders. What do you make of his overhaul of that roster, and do you think it'll work this season? Like, what are your expectations for Colorado this year? My expectations are... For them to be improved but Jim I mean the roster is it's almost impossible for me to give you a I mean I can listen to the experts that have seen them practice I can listen to the people that have talked and raved about how much they've improved on both lines of scrimmage which I'm not 100% sold on at the moment this is a complete overhaul I mean there are 10 scholarship players <laughs> are back from incredible last right? Team. right it's insane I've, we've never seen anything like it so it Will they be improved at quarterback? Absolutely. Will they have better top-end personnel? Yes. Will they have super dynamic corners? Absolutely. Will they have uh, a potential difference maker on both sides of the ball in Travis Hunter, who is a five-star all-world player a couple of years ago, signed at Jackson State, followed Dion to Colorado? Yes, I think their top-end talent will be vastly improved. But I don't think they're yet built from the inside out. And in the Pac-12 this year, say what you want about the Pac-12 and what the league is like. Utah, you better bring your hard hat and lunch pail. Oregon State, you better do the exact same thing. UCLA, same thing. You look at, at Washington, even though everyone talks about the wideouts and the quarterback, they can get after you on defense, especially with the Braylon Trice, the edge rusher, who I think is a phenomenal player. And then I think if you look at SC, and granted it's one game, 
yes, they gave up some big plays. Yes, they had some busted coverages, but they did look a little bit better up front defensively. So I I just don't think they match up very well to anybody in their league. Now, can they pull one off? Sure, but I look at the schedule. I think they'll get Colorado State, but can you get a Stanford? Can you get one of those other teams in the Pac-12? I think their schedule is relatively tough. So to see them going above, say, three and a half, which is where Vegas has their win total, I don't see it. It's really not so much to me, though, for Dion in year one. It's really not about the record. It's about the progress. And if they can show incremental improvement this year and even more next year and become more of a destination for portal players and become more of a destination for high school recruits, I think that will be beneficial in the long term. But it's it's hard for me to envision them making a lot of noise this year. Extremely well said by you. All right, Greg, so what about Georgia? Georgia had 10 more guys selected in the NFL draft this season, and yet they're still favored to pull off the three-peat, something that has not been done since Minnesota way back in the 30s. Do you see the dogs pulling that off? I think it's going to be very difficult. Now, it, it is, I think, a very manageable schedule. Um but this is really the first time last year there were a lot of cynics when looking at at Georgia's roster saying, man, you just lost that many guys on defense. You lost that many guys on offense. How are you possibly going to repeat? There's no way. So they kind of collectively had a chip on their shoulder. This year, everyone's telling them how great they are, how they're completely bulletproof, how there's absolutely nothing that can bring them down. And I never think, even though they have as good a talent as all the top end teams in America, I think having that collective chip on their shoulder was the X factor for the dogs last year. And they need to be able to adequately replace that for me to feel really good about them three-peating. I think they'll go through the regular season. I think the 11-1, 12-0, I think it's highly likely. They are a 12-point favorite right now in a look-ahead line against Tennessee on the road. Is that the toughest game on paper? Probably. Depends a little bit on what Auburn looks like. Difficult place to play. So I, I think Georgia's really, really good. I think they're excellent. But for me to predict a three-peat with the expectations that they have right now and everyone telling them how great they are all offseason, it's difficult for me at this point to lean in that direction. Clones, what do we want when we're craving protein or we need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. No, we want beef, pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your father's jerky, shriveled, dry, and tasteless. Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. So it's tender and it's tasty. It's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein, and it comes in four amazing flavors that satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest that goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? All right, so Greg, you played for Nick Saban. You won with Nick Saban. You know Nick Saban. If I were to say to you, get up inside this guy's head for a minute. Crawl around for a minute. Like, what do you think that he's really thinking as George has gone back-to-back? Kirby Smart's done an incredible job there. You know, obviously, Alabama, very much relevant. Nick's the GOAT. But he's not where he wants to be, and you know he's not giving in. Like, what's his mindset? Is he just doing what he's always done, sticking to the process? Is he trying to evolve? Like, really, how is he processing where he and that program are right now? What does he really think? 
Well, Jim, he is just not one that's really influenced by the external noise. He he just doesn't. I mean, he he doesn't listen to radio shows. He doesn't watch television. The only I went downstairs at his theater room one time, and the only thing that was down there was the Eagles live in Melbourne DVD. Uh, so, I mean, that's the only, I don't even think he had cable. I don't I don't even know. I really don't. And, and I really just don't think he gets enamored with what's going on at other places. He is purely at this point, his legacy is completely established. He has nothing more to prove. He is purely at this point, exclusively focused on making this version of Alabama, the best version that it can possibly be. That's all he thinks about. And every single minute of his day is regimented in order to put his players in the best position to be successful. So he he doesn't, he's never, ever, when we were in school, there was never anything that he referenced in the team meeting about what people were saying about us. The only thing he ever talked about was what we needed to do to change what the people were saying. So he would say something along the lines of, hey, if we win this snap and the next snap and the next snap after that, the result within the game will take care of itself. If we do that over the course of a 12-game season, the result will take care of itself. And then, hey, when we get a chance to play for championships, let's bring it home. Do the exact same thing. So that that way, every opponent, every game, none is bigger than any other. The urgency that you feel in practice when you're playing Georgia is naturally different than the urgency you play playing Middle Tennessee. I mean, you're human. You understand that. But at the same time, he's just not at this point, I think, focused on what's going on in Athens or Columbus or Los Angeles or Austin. He is just trying to make sure that he can do everything he can to make sure the players feel as though they're being put in a position to be successful. All right. So, Greg, I'm fascinated by peak performance and longevity. So if you had to guess, like, what is it that has him doing what he's doing and still as committed as he is, as he's beyond the age of 70? For instance, does he embrace the grind? Does he love the grind? I get that he probably doesn't have hobbies, but he doesn't need to be paying this kind of price. And maybe he achieves some sort of balance. But I'm just wondering, how does a guy at that age continue to go as hard as he does at that elite level still and why? Because I think he knows that he would be completely unfulfilled doing anything else. Uh, he he just he is an old school throwback football coach. He doesn't care about the money. He he doesn't care about. Uh, I think he cares about the wins naturally. I mean, he wants to win. <laughs> I'd be naive to say that that isn't a factor. But I think he loves the grind. And I also think too, like so many guys, I think they're like, well, if I shut it down, I'm gonna be bored to death. And if I shut it down, I can't come back to this place. If I shut it down, you know, a lot of coaches back in the day, like if I shut it down, I'm going to die. You know, that was that's like a real fear amongst some of the older coaches in in the college football and the pro football world. So I think that he is at this point, really, he embraces the challenge. Everything else in his life is easy. I mean, he's got more money that he could ever spend. He's remarkably successful from an entrepreneurial standpoint, has a tremendous real estate portfolio, owns car dealerships all over the Southeast. Like the guy kills it in everything in life. But the one place where it really it's it's up to your performance for him to be at his very best is on the football field. You can't recreate that edge. You can't recreate that energy that you have running through the tunnel. It's a drug. It's an adrenaline rush that cannot be recreated. So I think he just has, at this point, kind of realized, 
I really thought at one point that he might go into the television world. I thought that was a possibility, but I think he now has kind of come to the realization that that's just not going to really fill his cup. Um, so I don't think he's going to do anything. He's going to do it for as long as he possibly can. And then whenever he shuts it down, I think the only reason he would would be if Alabama starts to tail off. And the way he's recruiting, it, it just doesn't appear like that's any time in the near future. No, you know, what's so interesting to me about that response is like he might block out the entire external world, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't evolve and he does and he changes and his approach changes. So he's not completely blocked off to the changes in the landscape, the changes in the game, the changes in recruiting. So I've always been fascinated by that. Like I could talk to you about him for hours and hours, but before I let you go, obviously I want to hit some other teams because we have fans listening that want your thoughts on their teams. Like Greg, for instance, Texas. Texas. We always hear Texas is back. Texas is back only to see them right. underachieve. They're loaded, man. Is this their year? Are they finally going to get it done? Are they back now? Man, I, we all collectively within the sport have prematurely propped them up for, I don't want to say selfish reasons, but I think because we, you know, I'm from Dallas. I grew up a Texas fan, like die hard Texas fan. <laughs> like I want them to be back because I think it's good for the sport, but I also want Nebraska back. I want, you know, UCLA to be legit. I want all the teams. I want Colorado to be back for crying out loud. So I, mean, I want everyone to be back. If everyone could go undefeated, it'd be amazing. But I think Texas, I think Sark has really done a phenomenal job of being able to develop guys within the program and then reinforce those homegrown developmental dudes with really, really high-end transfer portal players. So what you now have is a collection of guys that grew up in the culture that have been there for a couple of years that know how Sark does it, that have been coached by a lot of guys that are from the Alabama cloth, the offensive line coach, the defensive line coach, Sark, multiple others, the special teams coach, all came from the Nick Saban tree. So they've kind of developed and cultivated this culture and then have added really flashy weapons that have only made this program accelerate towards becoming real. Now, we, we are going to find out week two. They go to Tuscaloosa, they get a win. Absolutely, they are 100% back. But then again, last year, they played well against Alabama, came up short and then had a really inconsistent rest of the way, including bad performances against Texas Tech, bad performances against Oklahoma State, bad performance offensively against TCU, and then against Washington in the bowl game. So I think the consistency factor is what's ultimately going to push Texas over the edge. But at this point, I'm still, I have to see it to believe it. I think they have the roster to win a national championship. But will they be consistent enough week in and week out to deliver the type of performance that's expected of them. And that is something that you can't talk me into until you show me. And I'm just not willing to totally jump on board with that just yet. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. 
All right, so like I'm picking my spots here, but I'm doing what any good interviewer will do. No, I take that back. I'm doing what anybody who has a good guest will do. I'm just going to follow you around. You said, look, for selfish reasons, I would like Texas to be back. It stands to reason, right? College football, the world's better when Texas is good. And then you said, I would like Nebraska to be back. I mean, Greg, I can age myself here, but I was in (laughs) Nebraska when Nebraska was still Nebraska. I remember doing one of my first shows ever when I hit the road, and I saw that up close. I saw the guys. Like, I did a show, and the Peter brothers appeared at the show. Jared Tomich appeared at the show. I saw what that was like, man. It was incredible. Tom Osborne, the entire thing, and we keep waiting for Nebraska. Like you said, it'd be great if they were to come back. My feeling was, Greg, if Scott Frost can't bring them back, then nobody can, but then they make what I think is an amazing hire in Matt Rule. I mean, will we ever see, maybe not to the way it used to be, of course, but Will Nebraska ever be back or near back? Well, I actually think what you said a moment ago with Scott Frost, it can be applied to Matt Rule because if this guy can't build it after building it at Baylor, who was in the midst of scandal, one win his first year to winning the Big 12 just a couple years later, and then Temple, which has long been a bottom dweller in the college football world, he won double-digit games there. You know how ridiculous that is? I mean, that is absurd. I remember when Nebraska... I was probably seven or eight years old. There was a time I never thought they'd lose a game. Right. I mean, it was unbelievable to watch the efficiency that they played and just how physical they were. But the NIL world has changed things drastically. And places that have a war chest of NIL are going to have an advantage on the recruiting trail. Now, we all know the usual suspects that can play that deep end of the pool, the Texas schools, Ohio State, Georgia, Bama, Florida, SC. They have deep pockets. Well, Nebraska has unbelievably deep pockets because the amount of joy that the state gets when the team is relevant is close to that of pretty much anywhere else. In other places, you have NFL teams, not in Alabama, naturally, but in other places, you have NFL teams. So if you're a Longhorn fan, yeah, you're a Longhorn fan on Saturday, you're a Cowboy on Sunday. Uh, If you're an Aggie fan, you're an Aggie fan on Saturday, you're a Houston Texan on on Sunday, even though I don't think there's a as many of those. Uh, but either way, in Nebraska, their NIL chest is unbelievable. Their facilities are unbelievable. They can go nationally and recruit high-end players, and Matt Rule has been a great evaluator of talent. I think they've missed on talent in the past. I think they've tried to evolve into a culture that's just not becoming of them. They're a tough, hard-nosed, blue-collar, lunch pail type of team. And when you try to run tempo spread, that's not going to be who they are. So I think Matt rule is going to sure bring in the new age, modern era college football offense, but then again, still lean into what made Nebraska great once upon a time with great play on both lines of scrimmage. So I think they'll be back Matt rule based on what he's done in the past. He inherits a far better situation. than He did at his previous two spots. So I'd be surprised if they're not contending for a big 10 championship in the next five years. I would agree with you. I think that obviously I know they're the only game in town and not only is there so much love that they're going to fill those coffers. I know some extraordinarily wealthy and prominent and powerful Nebraska alumni that want that to happen. They'll contribute. And I believe in Matt Rule. I think you're right. If he can't do it, then I know for a fact that nobody can. Greg, before you go, you posed a really interesting question this week. Namely, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, and Hendon Hooker all dramatically improved at their second school. I'm curious, our other child went to Wisconsin, so I saw the Graham Mertz experience up close and in person. Do you think that he will make a jump at Florida? I mean, it 
it's in there, Jim. Like it's in there. It can be done. He has the talent. He has the opportunity. The problem is, and Wisconsin coaches have been somewhat outspoken about how he was a little bit misused, probably thrust into the spotlight a little bit too early, probably had success a little bit too early and got certain false confidence that, hey, man, this is going to be easy. His first game was in 2020 against Illinois. He went 20 of 21 for 250 and five touchdowns. I mean, that is ridiculous. So it's in there. Now it's about Billy Napier getting it out of him. And so much about quarterback is between your ears. If you don't believe in what you can do, you have no shot. And I think there were times last couple of years where he was trying to be the savior of Wisconsin football. He was supposed to be the five-star blue chip prospect that came to Wisconsin to bring them into a new era. And that's a lot of expectation to put on a player's shoulder. So him now getting a fresh start at Florida where he's still surrounded. It's still Florida. Is it the Florida of 2008? No, but it is Florida. They still have good players. They still have good weapons. They still have good personnel. And he's going to be surrounded by better personnel at Florida than he might've been surrounded by it at Wisconsin his first couple of years. So I'm cautiously optimistic that he can take that step, but he's not the only one. The other one I'm watching closely, Jim is DJ. Uyunglele. Started at Clemson. Oh, you're next in line. You're the next Trevor Lawrence. You're the next Deshaun Watson. That's a lot of burden to put on a kid that hasn't really gone through the ringer. He now gets a fresh start at Oregon State. I think he's going to have a great year. There's a handful of guys that have gotten a new lease on life by going to a new home where the pressure is lifted a little bit. And now you can just go play and do what you've always done. What made you a blue chip recruit? What made you a talented prospect? What made you a guy a starter in the first place? And I think you have to kind of go through that. Joe Milton at Tennessee was the starter at Michigan, was the starter at Tennessee, lost his job. Now is the starter again is on a lot of people's Heisman shortlist. So there's a bunch of guys like that that just need a fresh start and a reset. And I, I hope for a lot of them that comes to fruition for them this year. That's really interesting. What about a single team? Is there a team or two that you see in a similar fashion? Like, hey, I'm really curious about these guys. I want to see what these guys are about. I want to see if these guys have in them what I think I have in them. Who are you really curious about from a team standpoint? Well, the, some of the most fascinating teams, Wisconsin is completely fascinating. I'm obsessed. Agreed. Me too, man. Me too. Isn't it? It's just you did. And I, I've, I've made this parallel a few times. They feel so much like TCU to me. You have a proud culture. You have a place that's won, place where the players have seen them win, a place that has contended at the top of the conference for a really long time. But at the end of the regime with Gary Patterson at TCU, with Paul Christ at Wisconsin, things just got a little stale, you know, just a little stale and just kind of just need a little energy, need a little enthusiasm. Well, boom, in comes Sonny Dykes, breathes all this new life into their offense, breathes life into the quarterback position. And next thing you know, TCU's off and running and route to a national championship runner up. Well, the same can be said. A lot of the parallels hold true at Wisconsin. You had a certain way things were done for a very long time. Luke Fickle, who's an ultimate developmental guy at Cincinnati, got a ton of guys drafted that were totally under-recruited throughout his process. Now he's at Wisconsin. He brings an offensive identity from North Carolina that's going to light up the scoreboard. And you got some really talented players at both quarterback and on the perimeter at wide receiver. Plus, you could still run the ball. Wisconsin's always run the ball. They're going to do it again this year. And they're strong on defense. They always have been. So I think Wisconsin is fascinating. Uh, another team that I really, really like this year is Oregon State, kind of referenced them. They've had every position. They're really tough to play. They're extremely physical. They're a 
They're a really tough team to play. They are so, so, so committed to running the football and creating an edge from a physical standpoint. And now they've just added the quarterback. And if DJ looks anything like he did in 2020 when he spelled Trevor Lawrence on the road at Notre Dame and against Boston College, they got a chance to maybe win the Pac-12. Then the final team I'll tell you about that I think a lot of people are kind of flying under the radar on is Texas A&M. People year early last year to to Texas A&M. If you look at the roster, they were way too young to be able to put it all together. They had an unfortunate injury to arguably their best offensive playmaker in the fourth game of the season and Anaya Smith. He's now back fully healthy. You got arguably the most dynamic trio of weapons at wide receiver in the entire SEC. You got a true sophomore quarterback going into his second year that got really valuable experience last year. You have top-end talent along the offensive line. They were inconsistent last year, but by all accounts, they've taken a stride. And if you look at their recruiting class from two years ago, they had one of the best defensive line classes in the history of recruiting rankings. Those guys are all now second-year sophomores, and they're ticked off because everyone thinks they're soft or whatever the circumstances may be. So I think AM is a team that could easily surprise a bunch of folks this year. I don't quite see them being consistent enough to win the SEC West, but I think they could be a real thorn in the side to LSU or Alabama, wherever, whichever way you lean. I think AM will be a problem for both of them. College football fans, DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season. New customers can bet just 5 bucks on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. The only thing that's a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code ROME. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just 5 bucks on college football. That's code ROME only on DraftKings Sportsbook must be present in state where lawful to wager. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus age, varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. cdkng.co slash football for eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit to apply. My man, you are so dialed. You know, back in the day, long before everybody got a platform, long before anybody who had a phone had a show, professional athletes would approach me and say, hey, listen, what advice do you have for me? I'm thinking about getting into the business. And I would always say, listen, this is really important. You have to attack your second career like you did your first career, even though it will never feel like your first career, because you'll never have that juice. But don't disrespect it. Don't treat it like some victory lap. Don't treat it like some like something owed to you, like some kind of reward. It's a job. And if you want to be great at that job, you got to work that job the way you worked your first job. Greg, clearly you're all in on this. I mean, you're showing up like this after a long day already. You have other shows, you have other platforms. What about your life off of the field and your second career? Clearly you are putting in the time. What's it like for you? How much do you enjoy this and how do you approach it? Kind of take me through your process. It's the greatest thing I've ever done, Jim. And I so appreciate your kind words because I really do take a lot of pride in the prep. Um, I, I wasn't a super gifted player. I, I wasn't. You know, I I got by and won games because I worked harder than everybody else and because I, I was cerebral and could understand where I fit, didn't have an ego, like just wanted to win, you know, and be a part of a team and have buddies and go out and have 40 beers after a win. Like that was what I wanted <laughs> to do. You know, I loved it. That was my, my thing. So when I got into this world, 
I, I knew that I just had to try to outwork everybody. <laughs> and I don't know how everybody preps. Everybody has their own methodology, but I've studied guys that that I think are the very best. You know, Kirk Herbstreit, Black, Trod Blackledge. Um, you know, I think those guys are are just phenomenal. So I've tried to study them, try to learn what makes them great. Um, I, I love it though. It, it, I went into this world, Jim, thinking that this was, you know, this is a part-time job and I'll do finance or whatever the other circumstances may be. And I got into it in 2014. I'm like, this is an addiction. I mean, I can't get enough of it. I'm I'm breaking breaking down Brett Gabbert for Miami, Ohio on tape yesterday because I want to see how he's going to play against Miami, who's got a new D coordinator and Lance Gidry is going to attack him. So I'm like, I love the game. I love the tendency. And what I've found, too, now that I really love is telling the players stories. There's just so many stories out there that we don't know and that we don't really have the opportunity to articulate and to see guys progress and get better and have redemption stories and guys that come back from injury. It's just an amazing field. And um, it just doesn't feel like work to me. I mean, if I had a desk job, I would still be listening to your podcast during lunch. If I had a desk job, I would still be looking at the ESPN box scores of games on Mondays after a full Saturday and Sunday of action in both the college game and the NFL game. I just can't get enough of it. So I appreciate very much you saying that. I love it. It's been a real passion and and just trying to grow and, and become great like you and and like all the people that I watched growing up. Like I watched, I told you a little bit before we started, I watched Rome is Burning every afternoon of my life. When I was 15 years old, you came on. I would watch that and PTI every day, every day. And I'd watch reality sometimes if I got home early enough to watch that. But I always watch it. So I've always uh, really enjoyed looking up to you. And this is an honor to be on your platform and to, and to talk some ball. I mean, Greg, a couple of things. Number one, first of all, thank you very much. That means the world to me. I mean, that means the absolute world to me. I really do appreciate that. Number two, you're already great. I'm not saying that you're not going to continue to be great and even get better, but you're already great. And it's because of what you already said. You you decided, seems to me, you and I are similar in that we were both very self-aware. Like maybe we weren't really extraordinary at any one thing but we understood that but that didn't mean that we couldn't compete it didn't mean we couldn't battle and yes it meant if we were looking for separation we sure as hell better have been the hardest worker in the room and that's what's kept me in the game as long as I've been in the game and I plan on being in the game and that's what's making you who you are and why you're getting the opportunities you are so I mean that sincerely my man you are prepared preparation breeds confidence you are dialed in and I have nothing but respect I was so thrilled that when we went out to you you said yes to this and then you smash all expectations. So much respect. I really appreciate it. And that is a great, dude, a great conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Jim. It's a real honor, buddy. Look forward to doing it again. Huge thanks to Greg McElroy for coming on and doing what he did and doing it during the best time of the year and getting us all prepped for another college football season. And like he said, you cannot fake this kind of enthusiasm or excitement. You just can't. Not from me, not from him, not from every fan base all around the country. And you can't fake that kind of knowledge either. That's for damn sure. So thanks again to Greg for making the time and then dropping the knowledge that he did on the original Side Hustle. If you're looking for more awesome conversations like this one, great news. We've got over 270 episodes banked. They're ready and waiting. You can check them anytime you want. Give them a spin and enjoy. They all hold up. And if you're enjoying these pods, consider subscribing. That way you will be notified as soon as every new episode goes live. We've got a brand new 
new app live and ready for you in a week. So I will see you then for episode 279. Thanks for listening. See you then.